0: Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show.
1: All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio, hard-hitting news that it was refused to use, no doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for April 22nd in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio on the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the constitution for the United States of America as our guide, and absolutely we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. What are the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips? As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country. On the face of the earth. Welcome to the broadcast. I'm going to skip yesterday's review. We'll do that later when we get time. But for now, we got Brian Rust, rustcoinandgift.com on your radio. We also have Kurt Cosby in the house. Welcome, Brian.
2: Hey, thanks very much. Glad to be with you guys.
1: Welcome,
3: Kurt. Buenos dias. Greetings and salutations. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Thank you, Sam. You are very
1: welcome. Both of you are sounding uh, tip top, perfect shape. Let's kick it off with an honest
2: money report. What's gold looking like, Brian? Uh, gold this morning is 1787.80. Wow, that's up a little bit, right? Jumped up a bit. Yep. Market's moving up. 1787.80. Silver? Yep. 26.54.
1: All right. There you have it, Kurt. I guess a silver eagle silver dollar still costs what? Right around $37, $38? $39.
2: Ooh,
1: the spread getting bigger <laughs> as the demand for honest money grows is how I would put it. All right, got to have the rhodium for Kurt.
3: 28000
1: 28000
3: bucks an ounce, Kurt. hmm Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is
1: that per ounce, right. Brian? Yep. That's per ounce. Is there anything more expensive prounce than that? Oh, well, that's that's probably
2: one of the. the, the well, the federal there.
3: government is pretty expensive. <laughs> that's
2: right. You know I mean? <laughs> oh. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. Of... That's... <laughs>
1: wow. Yeah, government. Yeah. You know, most ounces are the, just an ounce, but the government even has their their own special ounce. You know. All right. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I look at those numbers and I'm just shocked, though. You know, a silver, $26.54. That is spot per ounce. But it costs, in current money today, a silver eagle, silver dollar created by the United States Mint that says $1 on it costs $39 to buy. Yeah. Wow. That is just shocking in a reality check, if you will to me now interestingly enough there's a few uh, headlines about bitcoin i don't know if you saw them first one says this bitcoin drops 15 percent days after a record high did you see that brian i didn't all right um, well i find this quite interesting they say bitcoin dropped as much as 15 percent uh it's the biggest drop in a single day since february They say just days after hitting record highs. I find that interesting uh, as well. It's unclear what caused the sell-off, they say. The plunge in the world's most popular digital currency came after reports attributed that the U.S. Treasury may take action against money laundering. They say that's carried out, uh, money laundering, carried out using digital assets. That's according to Bloomberg. Now, the U.S. Treasury didn't immediately respond to requests for comment on the speculation. Now, they say a blackout in China's Xinjiang region, which reportedly powers a lot of the Bitcoin mining servers, was blamed for the massive sell-off that's according to Reuters. Um, I guess they say in 24 hours, the value of a Bitcoin has shed 9.5% falling from, and listen to this, and this is why I'm spending so much time on it, $61,306.11 to only $52,000. That's according to CoinEcho, a crypto market data site. Now, I look at that, and I'm shocked about that a little bit because... You know, I've had friends that tell me, hey, as soon as Bitcoin gets to be a reasonable number, I'll have plenty of money to support you and radio, Sam. It'll be incredible. I mean, it reached $61,000 and then it dropped to 52. Um, How high does it need to get, Kurt?
3: Well, it's a great question, Sam. And, uh, you know, once again, uh, we would remind folks to... um don't dip your toe in the crypto. But anyway, uh, as you've always said, uh, but uh, I was looking at Forbes. They've, um, you know, got, they'd say, well, it's it's down because all these guys sold off, you know, when they hit the high. And I'm like, well, isn't that what they always tell you? Sell high. <laughs> right? Isn't it? Uh, but anyway. Buy low? Well, that's uh, they, what you're supposed to do, yeah. buddy. Come on. Any, anyway, uh, <laughs> they say J.P. Morgan analysts have warned that if the Bitcoin price doesn't regain ground above 60000 soon, Bitcoin's momentum signals will collapse. So collapse, uh, I guess you could say, is imminent, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, and then they say this. Despite
1: the declines, Bitcoin is valued at more than a trillion dollars following a nearly 700% surge in the past 12 months. Now, let me ask you this kind of stupid question, Brian. You ready for my lack of intelligence on the topic? Sure. All right. If it can (laughs) surge or go up 700% in 12 months, can it go down?
2: What goes up must come down. How dumb am I, right? you're not done that's that's exactly right well and and, you know here's here's the deal any any time it's just a you know it's on paper or it's out here on some spider web or blockchain whenever it's out there and it's not held in your hand that that market is controlled by whatever they want it to control and they'll use whatever words whether it be um, you know money laundering or whatever they're going to do to Here's here's what's happened. Here we got to change this. But but as long as it's on paper or digital or something that they can just punch a button, uh, drop that figure. I mean, you just look at everything. I mean, uh, digi- uh, digitally it, they can manipulate currencies. They can manipulate anything they really want. And if they want it to drop, they throw something out there. You know, kind of like the spoofing and all the other things. They just do it. So here, that's one more. I'm not surprised.
3: You know. Wow. Well and you look at uh, and you look at um if you will the you know, the price of silver. They tell us it's what twenty four fifty, is that what you said, Brian? Something like yeah, that Yeah, twenty
2: six twenty six fifty
3: today, yeah. Okay, twenty six fifty. And yet really you can't even get a silver eagle, you know, the ones for but thirty eight, uh which you know, really tells you at buddy. least, or 39. you to have another fake Federal uh, so, reserve note. So, you you, done, so. <laughs> you, you, you right. got to have another dollar. <laughs> so the real market is not the same, um, you know, and, and so you could call it spoofing or whatever you want to call it. But the bottom line is, Hey, uh, they tell you it's one price, but the real world tells you the other price, right?
2: Yeah, you know, that's exactly right. And, and, and peace of mind realistically is, is not bouncing around on this the uh, um, uh, roller coaster ride based on whatever they want to tell you. I mean, if, if you look at, um, you know, this is where the metal is, supply and demand is driving it. It's just like anything. When there's a rush on toilet paper and, and paper towels and so on, well, you're going to pay this right here. Here's your price you're going to pay because there's huge demand. Well, they don't just all of a sudden, okay, well, uh, we're going to drop that price. Well, that's funny. It seems like I'm still paying this price, and I can't find it. There's none on the shelf. So, so it, it's just it's, you know, moronic that they can just say, well, this is really where it is, or tomorrow it could be a dollar or whatever they want to just do with it, and then they throw something out there. Well, okay, we well, have to do this because of money laundering, and people are going to do it. Well, that's funny. I think the government's been money laundering for a long time.
3: Heard right, that. Right. By the way, they uh, use Brian a big used a great washing word. Machine. It was
1: called moronic, Kurt. I like that yeah, word.
3: That's right. <laughs> that would be a good name for, a, you know, one of the new Bitcoins, maybe. Uh, You're right. But anyway. Let me just um, tell you what I got. Speaking of Bitcoins, Kurt, do you know what the second? Mm-hmm. um Well,
1: Bitcoin is like the biggest, you know, digital or whatever you want to call it. Cryptocurrency, right? Do you know what the second biggest, largest one is?
3: Well, do you know it's I'm called? wondering if it's Ethereum, right? Or not. No. Is that, uh, Ethereum? Okay. Well, anyway, uh, <laughs> go ahead. What What is it? Why? Are you invested in Ethereum? Well, I see a headline uh, from Forbes says, uh, billionaire Mark Cuban, uh, not the cigar guy, but uh, Mark Cuban, the basketball guy, but anyway, reveals why he thinks Ethereum will dwarf Bitcoin as crypto market price hits $2 trillion. So, Email you know, me that headline. Red I'll red add
1: that to the mix. The second largest mm-hmm. one right now, at least, they claim. Mm-hmm. It's the second biggest digital currency by market value, they say. It fell over 10% as well. It's called Ether, buddy.
3: Oh, so, yeah. Now, I kind of wonder ether. who's been
1: sniffing the Ether, but Sniff. that's just me,
3: right? <laughs> that's right. Mm-hmm. So, Ethereum it's and like, Ether. like,
1: what the heck? <laughs> wow. Ethereum, Ether. Now... Uh. It's ether. Well, that that's ether, right?
4: Yeah,
2: that's what's in it. Now isn't it? I got a, I got an
1: opinion, and I could be wrong on this. Maybe I misstated, Kurt. I bet Ethereum and ether is the same thing. Maybe we need to dig in and find that out. Hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. I got another cool name for a digital. Uh, what do you call that thing? Cryptocurrency for you. Speaking of new names, I
5: got a cool one for you coming up. It started out as a joke.
1: All right, back with you live. I got the difference between Ether and Ethereum, just for y'all's knowledge. Ether is the coin. Ethereum is the network. So Ethereum is the blockchain technology used behind the Ether currency. So in a sense, they're kind of one and the same, but they're different. One refers to the coinage or the, whatever you want to call it, enumerations of uh, value. The other one relates to the network in which the value travels the globe or is kind of demarked in accounting, if you will. So there you go. That's kind of the difference just for y'all's Bitcoin educational reality check. Now, there's a new coin on the market, ladies and gentlemen, that started out as a joke. And it's awesome. You know what it's called? You know how Kurt uh, always says, what's up, dog? (laughs) What's up, dog? Yeah. It's D-O-G-E... Coin. So it's like Dodgecoin, right? But I kind of think of it as like Doggy Coin, mm-hmm. right? Because it's because it's D O G E C O I N. So I don't know if it's Dodge Coin or Doggy Coin, but I, you know, Dodge Coin. I kind of find that interesting. If I want to get out of payments of something, I just send you a Dodge Coin. Dodge that one. Thanks for that. Just weird <laughs> stuff going on. But they say, what is Dodge Coin or Doggy Coin, whatever? How a joke became hotter than Bitcoin, they say. Believe it or not, it's the hottest, quirkiest digital currency on the planet, according to CNN. And the total value of the Dogecoin in circulation is nearly $15 billion, or $50, $50 billion. Not bad for a digital currency that started out as a joke. And that's why I kind of joke the jokes on us, because look. You know what? If it started out as a joke and it becomes worth $50 billion, man, no matter what I do, I can't
2: find anything that has any wealth to do anything, hardly. Brian? Well, hey, Sam, I'm thinking maybe we go back in time a little bit and you can, uh, you know, get into the pet rock uh, thing again and maybe change it just a touch, but that, you know, and then you'd have something there, maybe a pet rock coin or pet rock rock, something that, that maybe that would go again. We could get that rolling. Yeah,
1: so it would be like the rock is the coin, right? And the block yeah. is the chain, the currency you know, network. So you got the rock and the block happening. What do you think of that? It's enjoyed yeah. kind of a cult status on the Internet too, Kurt. I can't get anybody interested in the sacred cause of liberty. But at the same time, hey, that joke just became worth $50 billion there now.
5: Now, I did ask the
1: question, um, what's worth more than rhodium per ounce? And our board op slaughtered us all. Uh, We got roasted. You ready for this, guys? What is more valuable by the ounce than any digital currency or uh, rhodium or any real value commodity, et cetera? Answer? Freedom.
2: Oh, good good point. point. Mm
1: -hmm. Right? Amen. Great point. And by the way, then they said, well, what equals that? And I said your life. The only thing you could give that could be more valuable than liberty would be probably your life. That's why they defend with liberty with their lives, right? And that's why we need to defend liberty as well. But anyway, kind of a wise reminder, taking all jokes uh, out of it or setting jokes aside, if you will. I found that quite interesting. But anyway, so, yeah, I think Ethereum, I think you're right, Kurt, or Ether, uh, whatever. It's the same thing. I, it is the second largest. Doggy coin is fifth largest. Or, you know, um, Doge coin <laughs> is like the fifth biggest. Wow. So what do you think of that?
3: Interesting, huh?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I just go, What's up? Bought me some dodge coins. Bought me some doggy <laughs> coins. <laughs> it's not doggy, ladies and gentlemen. I just think that when I see it. Because it says D O G E C O I N. That's dodge coin, I'm sure. Now D-O-G-E-C-O-I-N, dodge coin, I guess. But I just look at that and I just like doggy coin, you know. Anyway. All right, um, let's move along because what'll happen to the money supply? If Trump becomes the next House speaker and or president in 2023,
3: the idea is getting traction. Kurt's got the tails, Kurt. Well, you know, I mean, at least in my opinion, this is one of the uh, coolest ideas that could come out. You know, lately, uh, if you've been kind of watching the news, you know, or the so-called news, uh, Sean Hannity uh, interviewed the president, the former president, um, and, you know, he- I guess Sean Hannity was not aware of this, you know, back I guess you could say behind the scenes news, and forgot to ask the president anything about um, the idea of becoming the Speaker of the House, uh, but. Anyway, um, it would have been a heck of a good question, I think. There's a lot of people, they say, behind the scenes that are pushing for this idea. And uh, if you're not familiar with it, ladies and gentlemen, you can look up articles at WorldNet Daily and a few other places. And like I say, a few other places. But they would basically have either the president, uh, the former president, that is, uh, running a, and being a House representative from Florida, or. Um, basically just kind of ramrodding that whole thing. Um, The House takeover uh, by the Republicans and then being put in as the Speaker of the House uh, because apparently uh, the rules don't say that they have to have you have to be a member of the House to do that. Um, And then uh, the, uh, well, the story behind the scenes is the first step would be the impeachment of Biden and um, Harris and Pelosi and boy, there's a long list of them. So it could get uh, pretty interesting, don't you think, Brian? You want to chime in on this one?
2: I think it's great. <laughs> let's get, yeah, I mean, uh, that, yeah, that is interesting. I mean, I have not heard of that, but that that uh, yeah, I mean, let's get let's weed out the the crap i guess sorry to say that but yeah let's it's there you have it i would wall. personally vote
1: for Kirk cosby or brian Rust myself i'd put sam in there that's that's what you i would you
3: know the uh well thank you sam uh but the headline from the new american says idea of trump becoming house speaker of or president in 2023 gaining traction so you know um and they say they talk about they reference in WorldNet Daily Peace by Joseph Farah, editor in chief there, uh, where he just four days after Joe Biden's inauguration suggested that under certain circumstances, Donald Trump could regain the presidency as early as 2023 prior to his reelection for a full second term in 2024. And uh, this is what uh, how he said it could play out. I tried to kind of summarize it, but it's probably better said this way. He says, in 2022, the American people are expecting Republicans to take the Congress back. It's ever so close right now. He says, uh, Biden is not just making me sick. I'm sure he's having the same effect on multitudes. Uh, what's next? Once we have the House and Senate, we can impeach Joe biden and kamala harris for high crimes and misdemeanors not phony ones like they had to manufacture against president trump but real weighty crimes that would leave house speaker kevin mccarthy as president of the united states only temporarily as president he could appoint anyone in the interim he chose as vice president he would select donald j trump in early 2023 then mccarthy would resign leaving trump as president after all who would have more experience and wisdom that's how we could get Trump 5 more years if we play our cards right that's uh that's what basically uh Mr. Farah from WorldNet Daily the editor in chief had to say about it uh so Well now this is interesting fun.
1: Kurt you mentioned that they mm-hmm. say that it's gaining ground or gaining possibility or whatever you want to say what what was the mm-hmm. words exactly used there
3: yeah something like that uh, basically <laughs> it's uh coming along the world or the uh In this case, it says Gaining Traction, New Americans. Yeah, Gaining Traction was the word. Mm -hmm. All right, well, here's the interesting
1: thing. There's a headline right now in the mainstream press. Uh, It was an article written by Tony Perkins of Family Research Council. But the headline says this, a boiler, I'm sorry, a border boiling over. And, you know, if there's one clear point that Trump was right on that the Democrats really bet the farm against Trump on and now they're losing and it's becoming so evident to really everybody, even the Democrats are now abandoning Biden on the border problems. Uh, So what what happens is that heats up that will fuel that discussion even more, Kurt,
3: I think. Great point. Yeah. That's right. And, uh, you know, the Washington Examiner, Paul Bedard, there uh, reiterated this possibility, talking about the whole uh, what could happen. He says, what about former President Donald Trump? Um, Aides said that he is focused on electing friendly Republicans in the 2022 midterms. And if it helps the GOP regain the majority, there's growing support for installing Trump as House Speaker, which is allowed under House rules. Um And uh, the former guy, uh, Steve Bannon, remember, that was the White House chief strategist, uh, speculated on just what would happen if the winds blew Trump into the House of Speaker. He said, we totally get rid of Nancy Pelosi in the first act of President Trump as Speaker will be to impeach Joe Biden for his illegitimate activities of stealing the presidency.
1: Well, we're talking about House Minority Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy right now. Uh, and what he might do and how he might help that come about. Got a little bit of an update on Kevin here in seconds as well. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live.
0: Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride.
7: South Carolina Republican Senator Tim Scott is planning to reintroduce his police reform bill in the coming weeks. On Wednesday, Scott told reporters on Capitol Hill that he's trying to work across the aisle. Democrats and Republicans both introduced competing police reform bills in 2020, neither of which got very far. Oklahoma Senate Bill 631 will designate Oklahoma as a Second Amendment sanctuary state. Republican Governor Kevin Stitt is expected to sign it this week after approval by the state's House of Representatives. Oklahoma Senator Warren Hamilton.
8: Modern sporting rifles, 30-round uh, magazines, etc., uh, semi-automatic firearms are things that you can own legally today and that you will always be able to own those things legally. When
7: signed into law, the measure would prevent the confiscation of guns from residents in the state due to any new county, state, or federal laws, presidential executive actions, or court orders. USA Radio News.
0: Police officer down. It's shocking. The number of cops killed in the line of duty jumped almost 100% last year. Defunding police, stripping them of legal protections, woke culture. It's a dangerous time, but Greg Kelly is fighting back. All this week, Greg's on Newsmax TV with his special series, Cops Under Fire. Greg Kelly exposes the real threat to the police and you. Newsmax TV is standing up for our brave men and women. Watch Cops Under Fire on Greg Kelly tonight. Newsmax is on all major cable systems. If you don't get it, call your cable company. Get Newsmax TV free on most smart TVs, Roku, Pluto, Zumo, and YouTube Live. Millions have already downloaded the free Newsmax TV app on their smartphones. Already the fourth highest rated cable news channel in America. Newsmax is real news for real people.
7: A state of emergency has been declared in some Arizona counties. Tim Berg reports.
3: Arizona Republican Governor Doug Ducey is declaring a state of emergency in six counties over the recent jump in illegal aliens being detained at the U.S. border. Ducey's office announcing that he'll order up to 250 National Guard troops to the border in the next few
8: days things just as bad in texas with texas attorney general ken paxton telling fox business
2: look it is a humanitarian disaster
8: like i don't know that
2: i've ever seen in my life in the united states and it's created by policies that were brought on by the biden administration i don't think that's the whole reason i think that the biden administration is avoiding the president the vice president avoiding going to the border they don't want to draw attention to this they want to keep it as secretive as possible and continue to bring these illegals through the country and then ship them out somewhere else uh, other than Texas and and really all over the country.
7: Thanks for listening. We are USA Radio News.
8: Now you...
1: All right, so back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman, Kirk Crosby, Brian Rust on your radio. RustQuinnandGift.com you want an honest man of the coin business, there you go. Now, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, I will bring action against Maxine Waters for inciting violence. If Speaker Pelosi doesn't act against this dangerous rhetoric, I will file action uh, this week. So Kevin is showing uh, some backbone uh, and, and willing to stand up to some degree. I pray it becomes real and it becomes serious. The problem is, and I don't know where the lines are, gentlemen, and that's why I kind of bring this up to you. You know, where does your free speech rights begin and end? And, you know, can she say what she wants to say? You know, Trump can't go to the Capitol and say, peacefully look into vote fraud. Go to the Capitol and include your Congress members. If he does, they say he's an insurrectionist. But uh, literally, Maxine Waters can roll into... um. Uh, Minnesota, sorry, Maxine Waters can go into Minnesota and literally speak out boldly right in the middle of a crowd that's been known to get violent. And Maxine Waters may have handed Derek Chauvin's defense team a win in appeals court over time. Uh, and so it gets very dicey. When can you say things? When can't you? How much freedom does your right to free speech have? Is there any limits on it, et cetera? But the duplicitous nature of Maxine's fine, says Nancy. Donald's a criminal and an insurrectionist, uh, says the same group of people. Acacio um, cortez speaking out very boldly, basically saying, hey, we haven't had justice at all. She wants to see everybody get charged. As you know, they're on a massive rampage. All right, Black Lives Matter founder in Utah. Lex Scott, we need police accountability and transparency. You've got Al Sharpton, Reverend, reacting to the verdict. He says the war and the fight is not over. You've got Ocasio-Cortez going off, saying things. Other lawmakers uh, and uh, celebrities, etc. Not justice system not working. You got Michael Moore and other Hollywood celebrities. Verdict, more calls for end to policing as we know it. After Chauvin murder conviction, protesters take to the streets following guilty verdict. Nancy Pelosi ignites firestorm by thanking George Floyd for sacrificing his life. Jury pronounces former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin guilty on all counts, which we'll get into in just a second. Do you want to respond to all this, Brian, first?
2: Yeah, you know it's what what the double standard. It's 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 such a double standard. And what irritates me is the fact of you know we just mentioned Kevin McCarthy maybe standing up trying to do some stuff. But where, where were all the Republicans, as they say here, a, few, a year or two ago? Where where have they all been? And and all this double standard. Where are they that we voted and put in office to support us as people and our our thoughts and 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 what we'd like to see go forward. And yet there's nothing. There's a few that will stand up. But where are the ones, why can't we put a line together and, and stand and lift where we are and say, you know what, we're going to fight you on all this. You're, you're, you you push the president out. You wanted to impeach him. You wanted to do this, 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 and let's just name a hundred things. And now we're just not going to put up with it. Where are all those people that supposedly have a voice back there, where are they at?
3: Kurt? Well, I'll I'll try to answer that at least in my opinion. Uh, one of the things that you've got here uh, is what Sam has always taught us, and that is uh, he who owns the media makes the rules. Um, you've got people like um, I don't know for sure if you want to put Kevin McCarthy in here, but I'm telling you, any buddy who doesn't tout the standard uh, Biden, you know, Harris line is pretty much, you know, put to the back of the bus, to use an old phrase, um, and that's what we've seen now. There's some movement uh, there where you got people like the My Pillow guy, uh, you know, basically starting his own, uh, you know, piece of the media as Sam recommended for years, uh, what, what's this thing called? I think it's called Frank, if I remember right. Um, you know, and so, uh, you can go on there and, uh, participate like you thought you could do with, uh, you know, Facebook and, uh, or as Russ Limbaugh used to call it, fake book or, uh, um, you know, Twitter and all these things. So you've got these new areas where they're learning from what you've taught us, right, Sam? I mean, uh, frank would be uh well frankly a pretty good place to share your information i guess right
1: i think so and i commend mike lindell and i commend donald trump and others for working on starting their own um media uh, uh media solution or whatever but i you know it is called frank by the way i've confirmed that's right um i think it's you know, launching now, some are making fun of the launch because the launch didn't go perfectly, Kurt. I find this fascinating. If the, if the liberals launch something it doesn't go well, then they just say, oh, don't worry, it's in its beginning stages. Well, when it's this, then they try to make fun of Mike Lindell. I don't, I don't think it's funny. I think that they're, hey, when you launch something and people have that much interest in it, you can overwhelm any system no matter how well you try to plan. If you don't believe me, just ask the Barack Obama health care launch. Remember all that fiasco, folks? So let's be very fair. Um, you know what? It's a new enterprise. I commend Mike Lindell. I agree this is what I've been advocating for quite some time. Donald Trump's working on either, I don't know if he's working with Mike Lindell or if he's doing his own thing, but there's uh, whisperings about Trump creating a a new media solution as well. And I commend both of these gentlemen. Kurt?
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, it's, you know, doing exactly what you suggested and, uh, you know, participating in this uh area instead of relying on somebody else uh you know uh especially our enemies uh you know to get to the public i mean why not go there yourself and you've you've basically done that with your own uh, network and that kind of thing in the past sam uh, and your own difficulties that you've had when you've uh worked with other network people um and so you've taught these guys. Um, I don't know for sure if they've learned it from you, but they're doing exactly what you've said. And I
1: commend them. And it doesn't matter if it came from me or not. The idea is phenomenal. I support the idea. Bright minds think alike is how I might call it. I don't want to take credit for it necessarily. I'm just an average Joe doing the very best I can to figure out how to advocate for liberty, how to educate and move forward the sacred cause in a peaceful manner. And I think others are really working hard to do the same thing. Uh, and I think sometimes we get this idea in America that no one's doing anything. And, and I know it feels like that when, you know, our side just doesn't have money and our side seems to struggle and uh, et etc. Et our ideas just seem to get shut down and we can't get them out. I know it feels like that. Um, and I certainly think we need more to the party, if you will. Um, not a political party, but the, the party of telling the tale of, of liberty and the free speech party, maybe you call it. I don't know. Anyway, um, but I but I uh, agree with the idea that there are a lot of people doing a lot of good things, and this is just proof. We just named two of them, Kurt.
3: Well, that's exactly right. And then you've got uh, Russ coin a gift, and you know you compare it to the coverage of things like Bitcoin, for example, uh, You know, compare honest money, silver and gold to the coverage that the media gives things like bitcoin or ethereum or ether or whatever those different things are um and uh, you know you pretty much can see the similar kind of thing right um i see one headline here from russia today which is pretty tough to uh you know find uh, many good things coming out about The quote My Pillow Guy, but it says My Pillow Guy ramps up crusade against election fraud with new lawsuit against Dominion launching new social platform. Now, remember, this is the guy that, um, you know, the Dominion guys basically have already filed, what is it, $1.6 billion lawsuit, just like they did with uh, Sidney Powell and uh, anybody else who was willing to speak up. And now you'll hear virtually nothing from, uh, you know, these, uh, especially the big talk hosts, you know, the Glenn Becks, the Sean Hannity, the Rush Limbaugh whatever, about that election fraud, simply because, they threaten them with lawsuits, Sam, and uh, yet the My Pillow guy, he's willing to uh, stand in there, as far as I can tell. Um, and yeah, this I is agree. a guy that was a former, former crack addict who's now a CEO, and he's willing to do it, man. He's that's it's a great guy, I think.
1: Well, we believe in change, and we believe he's absolutely changed for the better, and we commend him for that. And we also mm-hmm. uh, acknowledge that, you know what, it's sad that these companies get sued out of being able to report on what they see as evidential information, etc. Now, Sydney Powell, they've attacked her relentlessly. They even tried to, uh, in my opinion, falsely claim that she backed away from her statements and that she just kind of capitulated and everything else. When you really study the the court case in front of you, you begin to understand a whole different narrative. Um, that Sidney Powell explains if you you know listen to her side of the story. And I think Kurt has brought up something that's really important. It's important to go to the source to get their side of the story. Um, you know what, that's probably the best source as Kurt would say. I agree, it's a great source. I, I think we need to see that side of the story whether it be a lot of things that have gone on with Trump uh, whether it be the things that have gone on with Sidney Powell and the things that are happening right now with Mike Lindell. They're trying to say he got pranked by a, a fake caller. They say his, you know, new media thing is failing it's launched over and over and is failing but they're really creating distractions um because you don't see the other side of the story we'll talk about it with brian rust in seconds
9: why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less anybody ever had less money this year than you had last anybody better having a one percent pay cut you deal with it and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches,
10: in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. need for us to think globally and act locally, so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems, at all times and in all places, is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids.
1: All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. So right before the pause, we were talking about this idea. You know, folks, you need to go to the real source oftentimes. Um, Whether you take that as your only source, you know, that's up for debate. I recommend multiple sources, but... Getting the side of the story straight from the horse's mouth, if you will, Kurt, I think is one of the key points when it comes to understanding Trump and what he's really trying to do when it comes to uh, Mike Lindell, when it comes to Sidney Powell, when it comes to a lot of these stories and and a lot of these um, circumstances. you got to really get the other side of the story. Um, And straight from the real source oftentimes has some details and twists where you go, oh, wait a minute, I thought this, but it's really like that critical well you could do, you right? could
3: almost say that applies to the for example our guest uh, Brian Russ Russ Coin of Gift when they tell you that the uh spot price for silver is what was it 2650 um and yet you find out that the real price you know for an ounce of silver is way higher than that so you know once again you know you got to go to the source and you got to find out hey what's really the the case look behind the the curtains and uh, you know get get some of that honest money yourself right yeah right well, you want to
1: respond
2: yeah I, you know i think uh, you guys are right and I, I think there's a lot of good things happening i agree with you and so on it, it just it, it it's kind of uh irritating i guess in a sense with you know those that are sitting there as politicians and so on saying that you know they're trying to help the left, but they don't really seem to. I don't know if much of that support is going to to stand up for you know Mike and, and others who were trying to make this happen where well their their voice could really be benefit them you know and I think may, and maybe they, they are getting some of that voice I, I guess you, I just don't hear hear much of that seems like there was something other things Romney that I voted for or whatever I look back and say well that was a wasted vote I, I sure made a mistake mm-hmm. there because he doesn't seem to help and support anything that I like. Uh, a lot of talk out there from some of the great people. point
3: and you know it just shows you the importance uh mm-hmm. like like this program um and uh those on this network um i've uh, when you share that information with people. You know, they at least so many times I've heard them say stuff like, wow, that's really hopeful or that's really uh, nice to hear, um, you know, that kind of story instead of, you know, just the same old doom and gloom by the establishment media. So uh, that's what we've been working on for a long time. And uh, Sam is a great example there and so many others who have participated to make it make it work. Right, Sam?
1: Yeah, and, you know, here's the problem. Do you know what the social media site for uh, Mike Liddell is, Kurt? you know what the actual thing is?
3: Well, I think they call it Frank like, do you know what the URL speech. for it? Frank speech, speech. Is it FrankSpeech.com
1: or is it FrankSocialMedia.com?
3: I'm not sure. I'm looking at Anyway, I'm right trying to right find now, that I out. See. I went
1: to FrankSocialMedia.com because I thought that's what it was, uh, but then it looks like it's been kind of hacked or whatever. There's some F-bombs all over it and all that kind of stuff, so I'm not sure if that's the right one. mm um frank, you know. I don't know it's
3: frank com says uh the voice of frank of uh, free speech uh thank you for visiting frank with over two billion requests in just two days the frank speech experiment is a massive success for you right now we're working on new features keep checking back we'll be up shortly so that's FrankSpeech frank com, and um I'll bet you, like he says, if if they say you got two billion requests in just two days, uh, it's so kind of like Brian is- when he when he's like uh, trying to find uh, thousands of pieces of silver and he can only find hundreds. It's you know a little tough there, you know.
1: Yeah, it's problematic. And this is kind of the problem, though. You know, I appreciate the launch. I think it's wonderful and everything else. But look, if guys like us can't find the real site, we need a better launch. You know, they need to come on Liberty Roundtable live and promote it or whatever. People just need to know the URL, right? Uh, We'll try to dig into that and find that out. I'm sure CNN will bring
3: it forward and cover it, you know, like CBS and NBC and ABC. They'll be all covering that that for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: All right. Now, I made a statement yesterday on the program that I think is relevant to what's going on today, too, whether it be the Chauvin, you know, trial or whatever. Um, whether it be social media, whatever, you know, the Democrats, the liberals, the extremists, the communists, the socialists, whatever word you want to use for the left or those who want to divide and destroy America, here's my headline. Sam Bushman, communist rhetoric ratchets up. The next stage of rage takes center stage. What's next, Brian? I mean, these people are getting kooky and crazy, and um, they're threatening life and stability and safety for our whole society now.
2: Well, that's it you know that's what we've been saying here for you know as long as I've been communicating with you guys all so, you know wrong seems to be wrong is right and right is wrong, and it just it bounces up all the time and and uh you know i, I kind of wrote this little thing down when you were talking a little bit ago uh you know about Biden and the border and all that, but by their fruits, you shall know them well, I mean wrong isn't right, and uh, by their fruits we should know that and 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 most people I think you know good folk probably know that and so that's kind of my thought is uh yeah what's next well there'll be more next i'm sure but uh by their fruits we should probably identify with what they're trying to accomplish
1: pray for peace work hard for solutions find free speech platforms whatever they are and use them to educate and to understand look we need a lot more civility in our society kurt
3: Amen to that and uh you know just just like we've been talking about uh, apparently uh Sam I mean imagine you have to go to Russia today to get some of the facts about this whole my pillow thing uh but um, they say that Lindell launched his social media site frankspeech.com on Monday the anniversary of the battles of Lexington and Concord uh, so, I haven't heard that from anywhere else. Uh, but anyway, bottom line is he's trying to fight back against the massive power of Google, Facebook, and Twitter, and uh, using your information about you got to have your own networks, you got to have your own way to get to the people. And uh, he's got it figured out, right? Yeah, I agree. And frankspeech.com is a
1: great. Uh, In my opinion, a great name for it. You know, let's be frank about things or whatever else that, that, you know, it's a good name, a good simple name, frankspeech.com. And uh, they're trying to mock it and everything else. And look, I'm going to give Mike a pass. It's very difficult to set up something that can literally launch without any bugs or any glitches on a massive scale to literally support millions of users. That's very hard to do. And so I don't, I don't really begrudge or have any issue with a glitch or two along the way. To me, that should be expected, and we shouldn't be uh, attacking somebody trying to create a free speech platform because they stumble a bit on the way. I mean, come on, how honest and fair is that? And the mainstream people, uh, they, if you can call them that, the liberals, the whatever, the attackers of Mike Lindell and others, they know this, Kurt. They know this full well. And when it's their stuff that doesn't work perfectly, then they, you know, defend it. But in this case, they just attack, attack, attack. I'm not going to attack. I, I, you know, I think he'll get it together, give it a little bit of time. There will be a glitch along the way. That's, in my opinion, expected. You're launching something incredibly fast. Uh, You're bringing it to the market uh, at warp speed, pardon the pun, (laughs) because you need a free speech platform because the thug shut us all down. You can't blame him for trying to, you know, launch and have a glitch here or there. And that's to be expected. I, I just shrug it off and say no harm no foul in a day or two or three or whatever else it'll be up and rolling and then we'll have something um the abuse is so bad in our society though that florida governor ron desantis signed what he calls a new anti-riot legislation piece the law criminalizes violent or disorderly riots obstructing roadways destroying or toppling monuments harassment in public accommodations it also prohibited state funding to local governments that defund the police um sadly i think ron desantis is right i think all those things are already illegal so i'm not quite sure what legislation can do we need to take action and arrest the criminals but at least somebody's trying to do something
2: brian yeah you know maybe we have to keep saying it and saying it even though the law is there it seems like a lot of the you know, the the lot of, some of these in power seem to push the fact that that law doesn't exist, and and let's riot, destroy, and all that because that helps our cause, I guess. But uh, I mean, I just feel like you know, if the law is there, let's prosecute. And obviously, the media on the other side doesn't want to report any kind of this person was this character doesn't mean anything, I guess. If they eight strikes and you're out, kind of thing, instead of just uh, <laughs> I don't know. There's just so many issues that that are. Bad, but, yeah, bring it up again and just say that the wrong is wrong, and the law states that you can't do this, so you're out doing this, so, you know, you should be prosecuted, not given a a reward for your, you know, I don't know, for your bad attitudes and all your stuff that you're doing.
3: Kurt? Well, it's a great point and a little more uh info on uh, at least the good news if you ask me uh you got uh they in the russia today story about mike lindell they say that he sells pillows uh yeah. extremely enthusiastically under the brand name My Pillow, and has become one of the most flamboyant corporate spokespeople for the former president. He was not so easily defeated, it says, however, having lined up a string of patriotic guests eager to celebrate the anniversary of the American Revolution, they continued to chat with the loquacious retailer as the site worked to get back online. This is talking about the, you know, Frank... Uh, speech getting going, and he says, uh, we're going to keep going live until the site's functionality returns, and users can sign up for Frank Social, so what they've got, when you go to that Frank VIP Social, you can see basically a live uh, program going on right there, Um, and uh, Hold on, what's Frank VIP
1: Social? Is that FrankSpeech.com?
3: Yeah, well, it's Frank Yeah, that's right, FrankSpeech.com but they, they call it VIP, I think it's just... I understand. Saying, let me, hey, let me tell you why I spend so
1: much time on the URL, because I believe mm-hmm. that what they're trying to do is they're trying to make you believe that a bunch of other URLs are Mike's, and that they've failed, and that they're swearing, and that there's this, and there's that, and there's all, all these things on mm-hmm. those sites, Good point. Um, in an effort to try to dissuade you from being involved and or signing up and giving him a launch that they can't deny is huge and successful. And so I believe they're chipping away at, at Mike's efforts here, and, and I want to guard against that is the point.
3: Yep, good point. It says uh, Lindell has another trick up his sleeve as well, announcing on Monday that he would be suing Dominion Voting Systems, a company that makes voting software for its alleged suppression of speech and attacks on Lindell's company, MyPillow. The $1.6 billion lawsuit came in response to DVS's, or that's Dominion Voting Systems' own hefty lawsuit, which targeted not only my pillow but Lindell himself, allegedly causing harm. Uh, so you know what he's doing basically is he's not going away like and being all quiet like so many others. He's still he's just going right back at him. And uh, when you see that, you just say, "Hey, man, that's exactly what we need." Uh, you know, imagine uh, Mike Lindell. Um, I guess you could say as a vice president for President Trump. I mean, boy, that'd be lively, wouldn't it?
1: Well, and there's a lot um, of other people trying to work on media solutions as well. Ben Swan is working on a solution. Uh, we've known Ben Swan from Truth in Media for quite some time. They're working on their media solution. So there are people getting into the game, and I commend all of them.
2: Brian, thank you so much, sir. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me on, Sam. We'll get you at Speaker of the House. I think that'd be a good place.
1: Whoa, I'm I'm vying for Brian, and Kurt, and Cameron, and everybody else. I'll just stay on the radio and support y'all. That's how I'll roll. Hey, thank you, Brian. Awesome. Thanks, guys. There he goes. Doing a phenomenal job, as always. Brian Rust, rustcoinandgift.com. If you want someone to steer you right when it comes to precious metals, Brian, be the man. Thank you so much. If you want raw honey delivered directly to your door, how about raw honey and coins delivered to your door? Rustcoinandgift.com. LocalHoneyMan.com. I am Sam Bushman. God save the Republic of the United States of America.
0: Broadcasting Live. From atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, West. you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show.
1: All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the network refused to use. No doubt continues now. This is the broadcast for April the 22nd, the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our two of two. Our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio. Without further ado, let's launch straight into our guest, President of National Taxpayers Union, Pete Sapp, NTU.org. The National Taxpayers Union is the voice of America's taxpayers mobilizing elected officials and citizens on behalf of tax relief and reform you gotta like that ladies and gentlemen ntu.org pete sepp welcome back sir
10: great to be here
1: oh man there is so much to talk about so little time let's start out with this ntu's rates congress so ntu national Taxpayers union rates congress it's a program you guys have had in place for some time right pete
10: Oh, yes, indeed. This is a system of rating members of Congress based on their roll call votes. Now, there are plenty of legislative scorecards out there that might focus on 10 votes. And they say, well, if you vote nine out of 10 times with the organization, there's your 90 percent. You agree with taxpayers and here's your score. That's not the way we do it. This is a comprehensive system that takes every single roll call vote affecting federal taxes, spending, debt, regulation. In fact, on our last rating, almost 200 roll call votes in Congress were the basis of our scores. We assign a weight to each vote from 1 to 100 based on the relative impact a vote has on taxpayers. So something that spends a million dollars of tax money will get a pretty low weight. Something that spends a hundred billion will get a very heavy weight. And because we do all of these complex calculations, the scores we produce for each member of Congress based on their fiscal policy voting record are comprehensive they're the biggest view of a lawmaker's attitude toward fiscal policy issues that you can find.
1: All right, so let me let me dig into this and make sure people understand. So what we're talking about is the National Taxpayers Union has their own scorecard of Congress. Where does your Congress man or woman sit in relation to uh, not necessarily everybody else, although you can compare them. But really, based on a standard of appropriate, you know, constitutional spending, etc. Now, the difference here is that this is a comprehensive tally, uh, weighted for reality based on spending dollars. In other words, budgetarily weighted, if you will. Um, so, other uh, scorecards are snapshots. This is comprehensive. Other scorecards might focus on whatever they're gauging. The gun owners' people would focus on uh, votes related to gun issues, or another one might be related to uh, the environment issues or whatever else they can come up with. But this one is specifically focused on your taxes, what your spend is when it comes to paying for government. And this is a really important one because I believe it's probably the most comprehensive one out there. Number one, it's the totality of the votes. But number two, anything that relates to dollars relates to this. And so at the end of the day, you kind of get a budgetary reality of, hey, who's the biggest spenders? Who, what projects are wasting the most money? What? And, and you start to back into this real economic understanding is what I would call it, uh, Pete, that I think is critical. How long have you guys been doing this?
10: Ever since 1979, under the current methodology, we actually began a scorecard 10 years prior to that, uh, when we were founded in 1969. But we decided, well... We're just being superficial here. we got to take all the votes. We've got to assign weights to them. So we began doing that in 79. So uh, we've got now 40-odd years of ratings to take a look at.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, that is significant. They launched two years after I was born. They've been at it almost as long as I've been alive, telling the tale of liberty and focusing on really – where the voting record of every member of Congress is in relations to your taxes. How does your Congress critter stack up is kind of the question. Um, What's the latest results? Let's talk about a little bit of the highlights, Pete.
10: Sure, sure. If we want to focus solely on the United States Senate to begin with, for example, uh, the top scorers there, and there are only five who managed to earn a grades from taxpayers based on their scores. You've got Mike Lee of Utah on top, 98%. You've got Rand Paul of Kentucky at 95%. Mike Braun of Indiana, also a 95. And then Ted Cruz and Pat Tooney. Now, they actually scored below 90%, but uh, like many schools across America, Uh, We grade on a curve, and these top five senators are the ones who actually did the best on our comprehensive scorecard. And remember, we're talking about dozens of votes here actually weighted based on their impact on taxpayers.
1: Where do we go from here, then? Those are the top five. Let's cover some of the bottom five and, and, and some of the details of the people in between, because some people may mean well, but they missed the vote, too, right, Pete?
10: Yeah, yeah, and, and we certainly do not penalize lawmakers uh, who end up missing votes. Uh, we we actually say, all right, we're going to give you the benefit of that doubt. Only the votes you show up to cast uh, will be the ones that we use computing your individual score. And, boy, it's still an incredible disappointment at the bottom. If you take a look at uh, the worst scorers in Congress, well, you have uh, the Washington state delegation, Maria Cantwell and um, uh, Cong- uh, Senator Murray at 3% each, Mark Warner of Virginia, 3%. <laughs> Uh, Maggie Hassan of New Hampshire, 3%. Uh, This list goes on and on when it comes to single-digit scorers. Unfortunately, uh, these are Democrats, but uh, I would say that um, there are a number of Republicans who do not score all that well on, uh, this rating system, uh, the Mississippi delegation, the South Dakota delegation, uh, they have work to do in improving their scores. They are Republicans. Uh, so. Unfortunately, uh, there is a bipartisan spending problem in Washington, D.C. On tax policy, the differences are pretty sharp between the two policies, uh, two parties. But when it comes to actually spending the money rather than taxing it from people, uh, both parties have some real problems.
1: All right, Pete, so there you have it. Um, It's interesting when we look at this. The Senate is the smaller body uh, with uh, – we always assume more power, right? And, and I understand that, yes. and I think there's some truth to that to a great degree. However, um, really, spending bills are supposed to originate in the House, right, Pete?
10: Well, most uh, – of course, all tax bills do and uh, most spending bills do members of congress have kind of blurred those constitutional lines of responsibility over especially over the past uh, few decades and i think that has led to more chaos in the budgetary process less accountability and uh, a timetable that often defies the capacity of citizens and taxpayers to actually make their voices heard on this legislation i mean year after year uh, lawmakers and leadership in the House and Senate say we're going to enforce the so called 72 hour rule. In other words, when a bill is uh, introduced and put out there for consideration, we're going to have three business days for everybody to be able to read it and be prepared to uh, make an intelligent choice about it. That's really not what happens in reality. We get rumors about what's in a package. We act on uh, what we think we know is best for taxpayers, but many times a gigantic omnibus spending bill will just be put out there on a Thursday and members of the leadership will say we're going to vote on it Friday night or Saturday morning when no one's looking. And uh, that's why organizations like mine exist and others do on uh, numerous other issues that you were talking about, Sam. This happens not just uh, in tax policy, but in all kinds of federal policy. And we all have to be on the lookout to alert people when something bad is moving through Congress.
1: People need to understand that this is something that you cannot leave to somebody else. You know what? If uh, Congress votes on a bill, let's just say something originates in the House. And the reason I bring that up is because the senators, in a way, have more power. But it's only because we let them. Spending bills need to originate in the House. And therefore, we can stop it if we're engaged before it ever even gets to the, quote, supposedly powerful senator. So we need to understand that reality check. And then we need to engage. Because what we can't do is just say, oh, sorry, it's a big bill. Uh, You know, he didn't wait the 72 hours. He didn't read it, but he signed it anyway. We need to start to really um, articulate the narrative that that's just flat out unacceptable. You have no business citing any bill that you haven't read entirely because you uh, swear an oath to the Constitution and you swear an oath to accountability for the actions that you take on my behalf. And if you sign a bill that you haven't read I and it's just like walking into a um, you know, a noted Republican just signing a bunch of documents you haven't read relating to your car, your house, your mortgage, your health care, your whatever. Uh, okay, it's very dangerous. And we need to send a clear message that says, if you vote for bills that you clearly haven't had time to read, we will remove you from office and find somebody who will stand up. And if Congress, the House voted against these bills, simply with a narrative that says this, I'll tell you right after the break. How's that? Pete Set with me, Liberty Roundtable, live. So right before the break, I'm with Pete Sepp, National Taxpayers Union. He's the president of an organization doing a great job helping us understand what's happening, keeping an eye on our Congress representatives. or I should say congressional representatives. I was about to say Congress critters, but there you go. Congressional representatives. And the idea here is that, you know what, NTU's rates Congress. And looking at the voting record of every member of Congress, see how your member of Congress stacks up. Uh, And I had mentioned that, hey, you know what, all spending bills originate in the House, at least they're supposed to, according to the Constitution. And so, you know what, the senators, we believe, sadly, uh, although they're further from the people, are more powerful, and and in many ways, sadly, we've allowed them to become so. Uh, But the truth is we can stop these legislative bills before they ever even hit your Senate uh, by dealing with the House of Representatives. And and, and in my opinion, uh, if you could get a body of House of Representative members that would literally say... I voted against this bill because there was no time to analyze it properly. I will not vote for something that I cannot read. I will not vote for something that I cannot understand and and, and uh, be responsible for, and, and period. And if you even had 10% of the House, so there's 435 people in the House, so if you had 44 House representatives that stood on that line and just said, look, we're voting against it every time and we're doing it because we haven't had a chance to analyze it. We're not even voting the merits or voting down the merits of a, of a given bill. We're just telling you that we didn't have time to analyze it. Uh, they're, they're violating the rules. We're standing against it. And if you and I could demand that and get that 10 percent, 44 congressmen to do that and make a bold enough and stick together statement uh, to last. You could literally boycott in Shanghai the whole operation and say, look, you're going to obey the rules. You're going to give people time to analyze this. You just will. And if you don't, we're going to remove you every two years and put somebody in who will. If the American people, and it wouldn't even take but a couple million of us, to demand such action, Pete Sepp, I submit to you that this would change. And we, the people, cannot blame it on our Congress critters. We cannot cop out and act like it's somebody else's fault. Yeah, I know they're doing the damage, but we're letting them. And we're the ones In charge, after all, it's the consent of the governed by which they derive their just powers. Sir, what do you say?
10: Yeah, I would agree entirely. And, you know, the most famous example that many uh, listeners will remember is when Nancy Pelosi said, uh, we have to uh, pass the Obamacare legislation uh, in order to know uh, what's in the bill and find out. Well, um, people were outraged at that statement. Uh, but it happens far, far more than people think. And if a number of members of Congress are willing to say, no, uh, we're going to need to halt this process until all of us know what we are getting taxpayers into, we would all be better off and taxpayers have to insist on it. I know there will be uh, folks in Congress along with their staff saying, well, we don't have time to read thousands of pieces of legislation before we vote on it. And I guess my response would be, well, that's a problem in the first place. Why are you writing bills that are thousands of pages long? Uh, Separate them out or write them in plain English so everyone has a common language with which to debate the validity and the merits of a proposal.
1: Well, and not only reduce the size and scope of the bills, but maybe single-issue legislation items would be great. It would be easier to get your arms around. Uh, Maybe it would be better to say, you know what, we don't need 5,000 issues to come up. Let's deal with the most important. Let's start to prioritize our legislative discussions. Uh, Let's start to decide what we really need, what we really don't need. Uh, Let's try to, uh, in other words, simplification is oftentimes the answer, my friends. Uh, Chris from Utah
4: wants to chime in and make a comment. Hi, Chris. Hey, Sam, Pete. Good to hear you guys. So, Hi there. You know, I had an epiphany in, in the in, – and in, thanks, Pete, for doing such a great job, you and Sam both. So uh, I had an epiphany in 2000 when George W. Bush uh, presumably cut our taxes. I did a little fourth-grade math. You know what I discovered? I discovered if, the, if you don't cut spending – in fact, you increase it, which we do every year – and you cut the amount of money that the federal government receives, then you have to borrow the difference. Not only do you have to borrow the difference, you have hold to on, pay Hold on, hold on, I want you to say that, that one more time so everybody
1: understands it, Chris.
4: Yeah, and this is just fourth grade math, so hopefully if, no, no, if hold everybody on. out there one is more listening. Time. But, yeah, I will. Okay, so if, if you cut taxes, the amount that the federal government collects from the people, but you increase spending as we do every year, like clockwork, and you have to pay interest on that amount that you borrow, isn't that a tax increase? Because the interest yeah. payments that we then have yes, to pay, sir, it course. doesn't matter if you have to pay them now or later. So when George W. Bush, quote-unquote, cut taxes and Donald Trump, quote-unquote, cut taxes, didn't they actually increase taxes?
10: Read my lips. They increased. Yes, he did. Yes. <laughs> you you in, You end up yes. increasing taxes on a future class of taxpayer. That's what it is. I mean, we talk about burdening future generations with our debt. We do very little to actually stop burdening taxpayers in future generations with that debt, and that's the problem. It, it is borrowing is a tax increase in the future. That's that's what it amounts to. And in fact, you know, truth and taxation language that gets passed in laws at the state and local level, whenever there are bond issues that voters have to decide on, often includes that language. It says. This is a vote to increase taxes in the future, and uh, I think I think that is something the federal government ought to be uh, uh, forced to uh, admit every time. Uh, you know, when they say we're go- we're going to have a deficit of nine hundred billion, or two trillion, or three trillion this year. I, I think the wording uh, ought to be changed and it ought to be required by statute. We are passing a tax increase along to some other taxpayer this year of 980 billion or 2 trillion or 4 trillion dollars.
1: Yeah, you want you want to know what the biggest lie yeah. in the world is, Pete? It's a little computer joke for you. Okay. I have read the terms and conditions. <laughs> <laughs> yes right i mean how many people click on that thing and just move by that Euler or whatever you call it i read that thing move along you got to go ahead and but sadly that's kind of what congress seems to be doing when it comes to these spending bills now Chris is exactly right, but I want to add insult to injury a little bit with the discussion. If we're talking about truth in taxation for a second, not only is it an a, a increased spend in terms of taxes, not only does it burden future generations, in other words, a tax later, as Pete wisely points out, but it also creates inflation. Because when you spend that much and you have to bring that money into existence, whether you do it with printing presses or whether you do it with borrowing notes in a ledger, the reality is you not only have tax... That you got to pay it back later with interest, but you also create an inflationary hidden tax as well, Pete.
10: Yes, yes, and of course, we haven't seen really bad inflation in the, the high single or low double digits for quite some time. That doesn't mean it can't return, it, and it will return. I, I I get a kick out of, frankly, uh, it, this began in the Trump administration and it continues now in Congress saying we might as well borrow a lot because uh, the financing is really cheap right now and the treasury can leverage its uh, borrowing capacity for the benefit of taxpayers i mean that's Orwellian language if i ever heard it no taxpayer is benefiting from borrowing uh, certainly not in the long term and uh, The fact that it's cheap right now is probably a dangerous thing and that uh, we're going to keep borrowing more and more than we can afford, and the debt service is eventually going to come due. Those are the kinds of spirals that countries get into far more quickly than policymakers can figure a way out of. That's the real problem. Deficits and debt don't matter until suddenly, spectacularly, they do. And policymakers have no way of knowing when that happens. Chris? Well, you
4: know, I think we need to uh, give a preemptive apology to our children and our grandchildren, because like you said, Pete and Sam, they're going to be paying the brunt of this. Uh, But, you know, I plan on living another 50 years on this earth. I think... uh, we, we are going to experience some of this inflation during our lifetimes, unless we plan on exiting early, which I don't plan to do. We're all on the same thing together. I think we need to go back to fourth grade and learn a little fourth grade math and figure out that we're not pulling the wool over the eyes of anybody. This is going to come back to haunt us either sooner or later. Either way, it is wrong, unethical, and it needs to be stopped. Thank you, gentlemen, for being there.
1: Thanks for your call. He's spot on, right, Pete? I think that's really what the NTU is designed to highlight, isn't it?
10: Yes, it certainly is. And of course, as you and I have discussed on the show uh, quite some time uh, ago and and since Sam, uh, the constitutional functions of government, the enumerated powers once guided the way that we made fiscal policy. It guided the way we taxed. It guided about how much we would spend year after year from revenues, and it kept debt down. We've discarded that constitutional notion, and now we're borrowing like there's no tomorrow.
6: National
1: Taxpayers Union Rates Congress. Where does your Congress critter stack up? NTU.org. President with me, Pete Sepp. More in seconds.
0: Exposing corruption. Informing citizens. Pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride.
7: The House on Wednesday voted largely on party lines to advance a bill that limits the president's authority to issue travel bans on foreign nationals from entering the United States. House Democrats introduced the bill known as the National Origin-Based Anti-Discrimination for Non-Immigrants Act. In 2016, the Obama administration attached a transgender mandate to the Affordable Care Act. Framed as a non-discriminatory provision, it would require doctors and hospitals to perform sex change surgeries and provide insurance coverage for this practice. In January, a judge in North Dakota sided with Catholic hospitals in striking down the transgender mandate. However, on Tuesday, the Biden administration appealed the ruling. Dr. Mike Chupp with the Christian Medical and Dental Association tells Fox News they're pushing back on Biden.
10: As physicians of faith, we represent approximately 20,000. We're Hippocratic physicians, uh, first and foremost, for hundreds of years in the United States. We take an oath to do no harm.
7: USA Radio News.
0: This report is sponsored by IBM. With billions of fans around the world, esports are the future of sports and entertainment. IBM is entering the arena by bringing AI and data to deliver best in class analytics and enrich the fan experience with the Overwatch League. IBM and the Overwatch League, a professional esports property built around the Overwatch game launched power rankings with IBM Watson to objectively create AI-powered rankings of teams and players. IBM Watson technology helps make sense of the tremendous volume of data available in the game. Corey Shelton, digital strategist at IBM
7: explains. As an avid gamer, the application of AI and cloud technology is an exciting development in the world of eSports. With so much data and analytics around each unique team, it was impossible for a human being to observe and evaluate each team and player's rankings in real time. With IBM's Power Rankings with Watson, the game is
0: being changed. Check out Power Rankings at IBM.com slash Overwatch.
7: During his address to the nation Tuesday evening following the conviction of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin, President Biden called us in America systemic racists. White House spokesperson Jen Psaki.
6: One of the president's core objectives is addressing racial injustice in this country, not just through his rhetoric, but through his actions. And what anyone should look to is his advocacy for passing the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act for nominating uh, leaders to the Department of Justice to address uh, long, outdated policies uh, and to uh, ask his leadership team here in the White House to prioritize these issues in his presidency, which is current and today and not from 30 years ago.
7: It should be noted Biden was the architect of multiple federal laws in the 80s and 90s that disproportionately jailed black people and contributed to what many people see as systemic racism. NASCAR is at the big track in Talladega, Alabama, Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern on Fox and Motor Racing Network. This is USA Radio News.
1: All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman, Pete Sapp national taxpayers union ntu.org on your radio so let's talk a little bit more about the house members i know some of the senators we talked about give us the five names of the top senators that have an a grade again it was
10: mike lee rand paul who are the other three uh we also have ted cruz pat toomey and mike braun
1: all right there you have it ladies and gentlemen who are the uh, bottom five
10: Well, the bottom five, you have uh, the delegations of Washington State, you have uh, the delegations of uh, Virginia, you have uh, the delegations in Rhode Island, so they're all tied.
1: (laughs) Oh, boy, shame on those folks. All right, let's move to the House a little bit. Uh, You know, where are we sitting in the House? Who are the best people and the worst people in the House?
10: Okay, sure. Sure. In the House of Representatives, uh, Thomas Massey of Kentucky, uh, Justin Amash of Michigan, uh, Ken Buck of Colorado, Tom McClintock of California, and Andy Biggs of Arizona are the top five.
1: And when we say top five, I mean they're the most frugal and careful and responsible with your money, right?
10: That's right. Uh, Those top five had scores of between 94 and 95 percent, and no one actually has scored a perfect 100 percent. But the closest lawmakers uh, who've ever come to that 100 percent mark uh, were uh, Ron Paul, uh, the former House member from uh, Texas. Uh, Rand Paul has come very close to that. So uh, there are a few who've gotten 99s, but uh, never an absolute perfect score.
1: Now, let's be clear. Is that partly because sometimes they see something in a bill that justifies passing it, uh, even though maybe uh, spending-wise it puts them in the not the 100% category, but yet uh, in reality it was smart to pass the bill overall because of the way they put these omnibus bills together, et cetera? Or what do you think the reason might be for that?
10: Yeah, oftentimes it's because they're presented with an unappetizing choice of whether to vote down an entire bill or to accept uh, the good with the bad. And uh, we, of course, recognize that Uh, we don't expect uh, anyone to have ever scored a 100 percent for precisely that reason lawmakers are not created equal in uh, the House or the Senate when it comes to the rulemakings and uh, the way that bills are brought to the floor. Uh, Some have more power than others to shape how legislation takes place uh, initially and then how it gets voted on.
1: And let's be clear, not only are the House members and or the senators not, uh, they're not all equal, if you will. Their circumstances Uh, And reasons for voting for things sometimes isn't all equal uh, as well. Some are in big cities or big districts. Some are in tiny districts. And they have all kinds of constituencies pushing them this way and that way. And I'm not saying they should cater to them, uh, but I am saying they do represent them. And there's some influence there that that happens that affects things uh, anyways,
10: right? Yes, and that is the number one reason why, as an interest group, taxpayers – need to come first. And the way they do that is by contacting their lawmakers constantly, by studying budgets and saying, we know what's going on here. We're not ignorant of what this legislation would do. Here's what we want you to change and why. That's how other interest groups from those who want more federal spending and more taxes to uh, those who have social issues or other issues on their agenda. They study legislation, they go to their lawmakers, they pressure them to vote a particular way, and they have the knowledge and the grassroots capability to do it. We're about giving that same kind of capability to taxpayers.
1: You gotta dig it, ladies and gentlemen. NTU dot org is the website. So let's talk a little bit about issues. Then we talked about who are the biggest spenders, and uh, I guess we got to get to that the House. Who are the worst people in the House? The same as the Senate? <laughs>
10: <laughs> well, I'm afraid so. Uh, I, I'm afraid that uh, some of the lowest scores uh, are among uh, House Democrats again. Uh, that doesn't. And that's mean why you talked about uh, delegations,
1: right, Pete? Because it it kind of encompasses yeah. the whole uh, group of them, if you will. I mean, there might be an exception here or there, but in general, it's these these delegations, and, and that represents House and Senate factions, right?
10: Yes, yes, and and in the House, of course, there are well over a hundred lawmakers who only scored in the single digits. I mean, I'll give you examples uh, oh. here just from just from the state of uh, California. Congress people: Bera, Brownley, Congress persons: uh, Carvajal, uh, Cisneros, Costa, Cox, Davis, <laughs> Garamendi, Hill. Okay, that's just uh, A through H. We've got Levin, Matsui, McNerney. And all these people Panetta. are from these states,
1: and that's why he's talking about delegations so blatantly. Is that it's you can't even almost single them out in a way, right?
10: That's right. There are so many of them that, uh, I mean, you, you can report uh, those who have some of the lowest scores, but then there are so many uh, that, who, who are in company with them. <laughs> it's, uh, it's very difficult sometimes to, uh, to sort through.
1: All right, let's talk a little bit about issues now because we talked about people. And, again, the reason that you talk about people is not to attack people individually, ladies and gentlemen. It's always appropriate to remain civil and decent about it. But you can be insistent on the proper role of government and insistent on who and what they represent on your behalf. So we need to be civil, but we also need to be very bold and very consistent about our expectations. And we need to create accountability uh, when our expectations are simply um, not met now if they if they you know a they're not perfect like nobody's got a hundred percent score that's one thing but blatant disregard for the constituents and or the will of the people needs to be uh, jettisoned uh, yesterday so i bring this up because there's there's people to talk about and we need to reelect or elect those who will will you know keep their oaths and and have a budgetary mindset, etc, and have a friendly disposition and relationship with the taxpayer that 's we the people by the way, uh, but in addition to that, though there are issues in other words, there are top issues to which um, primarily ratchet up the debt. there are issues that are just spend hungry might be the term that I would use that we really need to be uh, cognizant of uh, in some of these reports as well, because then you take all the um, votes that they've made and you kind of isolate that into issues that are relevant to understand as well right pete
10: yes absolutely and of course one of the bigger issues on our radar screen right now is the most pre uh, recent plan that passed congress uh, we call it the fourth COVID 19 relief package has a lot of undesirable elements in it, the packages that came before it, the three uh, beginning with the CARES Act, and then uh, another that passed in the summer of uh, 2020, another that passed near the end of 2020. Now this fourth one have various elements in it to provide individuals and businesses with relief from actions, frankly, that government itself took to try and contain the pandemic, right or wrong. Um, Citizens deserved some kind of compensation financially for those government actions. Well, there were a lot of other extraneous things, especially in the most recent one, $350 billion of aid to state and local governments, for example. Now, states and localities actually uh, had some uneven fiscal performance during 2020, but it turns out, by and large, most of them weathered the pandemic in terms of their finances without a whole lot of pain some had revenues that were flat some had revenues slightly lower um, in the single digit percentages others actually experienced increases in revenues in 2020 versus 2019 there was not this catastrophe that would justify a $350 billion grant in federal aid on top of aid that had already been given in the previous three packages. And what we're trying to do now is say, look, we need to repurpose that debt money uh, so that it doesn't burden taxpayers in the future. If uh, we could say, for example, states can use it to provide tax relief at their level, uh, to to citizens, that would be a good use, at least, of the money, as opposed to bailing out pension systems. If uh, infrastructure is a desirable thing, well, the money has already been voted in in the, to the tune of three hundred fifty billion dollars in aid. Um, why not say that this can go to infrastructure as well, instead of piling more debt into the situation? Those are going to have to be practical remedies that are not ideal, but at least they are better than making the situation even worse for current and future generations of taxpayers.
1: Well, and that's an important thing to understand as well, Pete, Sepp, because you know what? A lot of times the solutions are not um, Hail Mary's. Oftentimes, the solutions are not one-and-dones. Oftentimes, the solutions are incremental and take consistency and dedication and moving the ball forward one yard at a time. We'll talk about that with Pete Sepp in seconds.
6: The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com.
8: Dad, can you make him stop?
7: Honey, he needs to practice.
8: He's been at it an hour.
0: Well, just trying to be patient. Dad, it sounds like
9: a cat calling for help or something.
8: Worse, a basement full of cats. Yeah. You know, hon, it
6: is a little hard on the ears.
5: Not you, too.
6: Well, maybe we can all play a game. Andrew, do you
2: want to play a board game? Uh, how about we watch a video? Hide and seek? Oh, I don't know, I give up.
10: Maybe we could all just sneak out of the house. Honey,
2: he's nine years old.
6: We can't leave him home alone. And we can make him practice with a sock.
5: Well, I guess we'll have to get some ice cream.
6: Did I hear someone say ice cream?
8: Family, isn't it about time?
6: Oh, I see the practice hasn't hurt your ears. Well, I'm a serious musician.
9: Funny that you never seem to get better on that thing.
8: Works every time. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.
9: Hey, uh, where do all these cats come from?
1: Live and talking about solutions every time on your radio. This is the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Pete Sepp, President of National Taxpayers Union, NTU.org on your radio. And I was kind of mentioning that, you know, a lot of times we want a one-and-done solution. We want to just solve a problem. We think it's a TV show and it takes 30 minutes to just get the bad guys, you know, Uh, but the reality is it's not just a hail Mary Pete. It takes real work, a yard, a foot at a time to move that ball.
10: Yeah, it absolutely does. And you start with things that are right in front of lawmakers faces and say, okay, you're focused on this right now. Here's how you can sharpen that focus to be sure that you're bearing the taxpayer's view in mind while you're making policy. An example, of course, has to do with uh, telemedicine. Uh, a lot of states <clears throat> ended up uh, reversing restrictions on. What types of services could be conducted between patients and doctors online and how you did it? Uh, A lot of restrictions were placed on, uh, well, if you want to talk to your doctor about uh, a cardiac problem, you have to come into their office. You can't actually do that using uh, an online connection. Well, a lot of those restrictions were swept away owing to the pandemic people couldn't get out and thank heavens by the way nobody
1: melted down right pete
10: that's right and there was not some catastrophic problem of patients getting bad advice online in fact it actually improved the situation because people found it more convenient to quickly consult their doctors on issues that they might otherwise have just let fester for a while because they couldn't find the time to make a doctor's appointment and actually get in the car and go there. So it's helped patients be healthier. And uh, those restrictions are things that we're saying to policymakers now, well, okay, the pandemic seems to be easing in many areas of the country, but That doesn't mean you have to put those restrictions back into law. They're working okay. Uh, They're showing us that freedom and uh, free markets, less regulation, are working. And it doesn't have to take a pandemic for policy to change. Why not just keep those restrictions off and uh, let patients and doctors communicate with each other? Uh, That's one practical thing we can do right now. Other things include, uh, for example, um, tax advantage savings accounts for things like child care. Well, uh, people have not been able to avail themselves of child care as much as they uh, had been before the pandemic. But those balances that they have in their accounts could disappear. This is money that they saved uh, aside for uh, providing child care that the IRS is now saying, well, it was use it or lose it, so you're going to have to give up that money you set aside in these tax-advantaged accounts. We say, you don't have to do that. Uh, why not change the law to allow those balances to keep rolling over? And uh, th- there's no reason why, if it's a bona fide account that you have to report anyway every year to the IRS, that you can't just maintain those balances. That's a smart idea. That's rewarding people.
1: Amen to that. And here's a clear idea. A lot of us would say, hey, get rid of the IRS. It's bogus anyway. Or a lot of us would say, jettison those accounts. The government has no business determining what I can do with my money and giving special privilege to certain kind of savings or certain kind of uh, expenditures, et cetera. I get that and agree in general. But we're already in the middle of the situation. The law is already the law. All we're talking about is saying the government will take your money now because it's use it or lose it. And we're simply saying change the law to preserve it, keep it in the hands of the people, not the government. Now, that's an incremental reality because, again, it's not really my preference, but it's way better than what we've got. I'll tell you that right now. And that is the quintessential point. All right, Pete, I got two items that I want to get to before the end of the hour, so we're going to kind of need to hustle. First one is this, and it's a headline from your website, Josh Holly who has been kind of the darling of the conservatives, it seems, as of late. However, he's missed the boat on this one. Josh Hawley's legislation puts every consumer in the crosshairs of big government. Uh, I guess,
10: Will Yepes, is that how you say his last name, wrote the piece? Yes. Yes. Uh, This is unfortunate uh, because Senator Hawley has uh, a lot of good ideas, but uh, this is not a good one. It's called the Bust Up Big Tech Act. S-1204, it would ban uh, certain companies from selling or promoting their own goods or services on their sites, and they would have to uh, be divested from online hosting. This is essentially aimed at Amazon, Google, YouTube, Netflix, uh, other companies uh, that provide a lot of online services. Probably all of us have a gripe with at least one of the companies I just named. But I can tell you, calling in the federal government, the Federal Trade Commission and Congress to say, you're too big as a company. We're not going to allow it. We're going to break you up. uh, That is a dangerous grant of power that uh, will have lots of unintended consequences, especially for smaller businesses. If Congress can do this to Google or Facebook or Twitter or or what have you. They can do it to any other business in America, and that's why we should look for other alternatives.
1: And by the way, the Bust Up Big Tech Act, it's one of those things that's named so well that at first you go, well, by golly, of course. I mean, for crying out loud, they've been abusing us for too long. It's easy to get behind that well-named piece of legislation, Uh, but in my opinion, it's disaster, and I'll give you kind of proof in point. Remember a couple of things that you need to understand. Whatever government power you give, even if it sounds good on the surface for a given reason, understand that that power has a double edged sword every time. So, government starts breaking up big tech. Then, government says, Well, we got to do this and that on the internet. And then, government says, Well, we got to this and we got to that. And we got to. Okay, why don't we focus on the laws instead of uh, busting up big tech? Why don't we just make sure that there's no subsidies for big tech? Okay, why don't we just not have the government help them get so big? Half these companies got so big because they had government special privilege and subsidy in the first place. The answer is to take that away and let the free market work, not uh, bust them up or subsidize or do whatever other manipulative. So whenever you take defensive action, you're making sense. Whenever you go offensive, you better be very, very careful indeed. So defensive would say, hey, let's just jettison their subsidies and their special privileges and let's start there and see how the market changes. And then we can go from there in another defensive or flattening a model, or open, you know, creating a level playing field idea. That's where I would start, Pete.
10: Yeah, exactly. You know, we uh, so many policymakers think that there's this competitive race, and they're looking at the ones that are ahead in the race, overcoming the hurdles, and they kind of want to throw a rock at those racers and slow them down. They should be looking behind themselves and saying, wait a minute, look at all the hurdles we've put up for everybody else to try and run in this race. Maybe we have to think about tearing those down first.
1: There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, go read it, though. This column is incredible, and I'm not here to attack Josh Hawley. A lot of things he does are really good. I get it, but in this one I believe he's missed the mark, and I want to be polite and decent and civil, but I also want to make sure we point out the truth, because truth in taxation Matters. Josh Hawley's legislation puts every consumer in the crosshairs of big government. Uh, NTU.org to read that article. Before the end of the hour, it is Earth Day. I don't know if you know that. It is Earth Day. And it's the 51st annual celebration of Earth Day. The global theme this year, they say, is to restore our Earth earth day 2021 will be involving uh, they say a billion people in 192 countries and the focus will be on natural processes as well as emerging green technologies and innovative thinking they say that can restore the world's ecosystems largest or the world's ecosystem they say it's the largest secular holiday uh, on the planet now I bring this up, Pete, because I don't want to get into the environmental discussions right now. I believe God gave us the earth and we should take care of it. That doesn't mean I believe that we should let politicians use it as a you know, bludgeoning tool to abuse us into them gaining greater control over you and, and me and our lives. Nevertheless, the reason that I focus on this right now is that is one of the issues. I, I told you there are certain um, touchstone issues, if you will, that literally can cost a gazillion dollars without even realizing it if you're not very careful indeed. This is one of them, sir.
10: Yeah, it absolutely is. Uh, many preferred policy solutions from some of the environmental organizations participating in Earth Day are subsidize, loan, spend, and tax. And those are the kinds of policies that can cost taxpayers trillions of dollars. Really, we are talking about trillions, not just billions here. Uh, wealth taxes financial transaction taxes, all sorts of carbon taxes. And uh, these are not taxes that would replace current federal taxes, which might be a worthwhile debate. They would be stacked on top of it all. And there are better solutions if your problem is carbon emissions, for example. Just one. Look at how much uh, we could save in carbon emissions in the air travel sector, if we had more efficient routing of aircraft. All that's going to take is modernizing our air traffic control system, turning it over to a consortium of companies and unions and all who were involved in commercial air travel, funding that system with a user fee instead of taxes, and improving its efficiency. Dozens of other countries all over the world have done that. We haven't. If we did, we would not only be helping taxpayers, we'd be helping the environment.
1: I don't know how to respond to this because, you know, uh, we do care about the earth, ladies and gentlemen. I don't want you to believe that nobody cares about the earth. It's important. We should be good stewards. No doubt about it. But we should also prevent politicians from using this as a touchstone. We can spend anything we want plan, uh, and or we can uh, change the game to, to lord over everybody Plan. We've got to be very careful with that balance. And we got to be very careful that we watch expenditures on this. Wise choices don't mean spend choices every time.
10: That's exactly right. Uh, spending more is an easy temptation. It makes it look like you're doing something to respond to a problem. But in many cases, you're making the problem worse in ways that you don't foresee until years ahead when you find yourself in greater debt with less flexibility to respond to the next challenge.
1: There you have it. Any final words, Pete? I know there's a lot going on and with Joe Biden in, in position, it's a, a different game than when Trump was there. Uh, but, but what ought we be doing? What are you guys working on? Give me a, give me a final 30seconder.
10: It's easy to say that it's a hopeless political environment, but we're making bipartisan progress with measures to improve efficiency of infrastructure, preserve the best parts of the 2017 tax cuts, slow down federal spending, and we're not only doing this at the federal level, we're doing it at the state and local level as well. Taxpayers are empowered now more than ever before. All they need to do is join their fellow taxpayers who are already using those tools of empowerment
1: understand that ntu also has partnership programs to help you crank up an organization in your local municipality to help you uh, understand and they provide blueprints and guidance and support and i mean the list is endless you got to check it out ntu.org and you got to say how do i get involved what can i do and then what help can i get as a partner with ntu.org to make a difference in my area it starts with you you become two two become the few then they become the many and then hey we make changes that are absolutely beneficial. And it all starts with the desire to make a difference. You can do it, people. NTU.org. Thanks, Pete.
10: My pleasure.
1: All right, there he goes. Pete Sepp doing a phenomenal job. would like to wish him a wonderful weekend. And I'm Sam Bushman. We the people can restore our republic, folks, but you got to
9: work hard. Will you help us? LibertyRoundTable.com, LovingLiberty.net.